All right, what do you put the odds of us having a federal election in the fall? What what are the odds of that, you think? I think I think you're in the I think you're in the 90s personally. I just I don't see how Justin Trudeau reading the polls and seeing what's going on with the opposition, the conservatives seeing the polling pulling themselves apart, the greens actually setting themselves on fire. I think the the you know they're going the prime minister's office is going to look at the polls and go never get any better than this. And sure it's always unpopular when you know especially in a minority situation you know, go to the polls and, you know there's always a kind of a backlash. The first couple of weeks Canadians are like outraged that there's a that there's an election and you know whoever's you know left holding the bag in terms of being responsible for triggering election is seen to take a bit of a hit. But then always in the last half of an election campaign, that kind of goes away. It kind of goes away in the last couple of weeks because then Canadians really kind of get down to thinking about, well, all right, now, all right, well, here we are. There's no getting around it. We're going to have to do this thing. Well, what, what are we going to do? So triggering election is not going to be as much of a downside for Justin Trudeau as you might think. What potentially has a bigger impact is provincial premiers, Doug Ford, Jason Kenney. Now, last time around, of course, the last federal election, we had Justin Trudeau just just wailing away on Doug Ford, just making him a punching bag, and Doug Ford saying nothing, just staying right out of the way. Tough to see how that will be the same strategy going forward when Doug Ford has to go to the polls next June. To talk about this, I am really pleased to welcome to the program Elise Mills from Sussex Strategy. Welcome, Elise. Good morning, Alan. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm great. What do you think the impact, let's begin with Doug Ford. What do you think the impact Doug Ford will have on a potential federal election in the fall? I think it's pretty much the same impact that every premier in Canada is going to have if they can't figure out what the narrative is going to be um, and that the narrative has to be very different than what they were putting out to Canadians when they took that cover of McLean's magazine in 2019, or it feels like 100 years ago, actually, (laughs) right now. But (laughs) it can't just be, you know, the claim that the prime minister's not listening. And I think also, I'm not sure this is Doug Ford's fight, um, this election. I think this is actually Western Canadian premier's fights. And that would include the untraditional players like John Horrigan, uh, a quieter premier like Scott Moe, uh, maybe even uh, Premier Pallister. Jason Kenney can't carry the load there, um, although he does a lot of the bidding, even for an NDP Premier like John Horrigan. But, you know, I think this is really a 1990s-style election. I think this is an election of confederation. Um, but again, you know, as I was saying earlier this week, I don't know if the premiers have the energy to get out there and figure out if they can push that narrative. There is a lot to talk about. But I think a lot are licking licking their wounds, are just trying to salvage what they may or may not have left after COVID, trying to figure out, you know, where they are with the with the voter in their own provinces and where they are with their mayors and first responders right now. In BC specifically, and I know in Ontario, there's a lot of concerns that have come up. Um, you know, in BC, you can't get an ambulance to to save your life, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, so I'm not so sure this is going to be a premier's campaign. I think Justin Trudeau knows it, and that's why he wants to pull the trigger very quickly. Because if he goes past Christmas time, these premiers are going to ramp back up. They're going to know the lay of the land, what the tea leaves are. 
And it's always difficult too for the premiers to, you know, on the conservative side because they can't, you can't undercut Aaron O'Toole. I mean, if they go out there and start swinging, then the Canadians are like, well, wait a second, who's, who's actually running the conservative side? Who, you know, who do I vote for? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's up to Aaron O'Toole to identify what we've just discussed which is the problems that the premiers are plagued with, especially premiers that have done a lot of favors for Aaron O'Toole. And I think Aaron O'Toole still has a lot of work to do, still has a big mountain to climb with Canadians. And it's not necessarily Aaron O'Toole's fault, but this is sort of the fault. This lands for me on the prime minister's doorstep because, you know, there's so many Canadians, and, and, and specifically right now in Western Canada, we are under a haze of climate change intersecting with a pandemic, intersecting with poor outcomes around emergency services, intersecting with Indigenous reconciliation. What is the ballot box question? What is so important that we have to go to the polls for? We have we have massive uh, emergencies here. We have farmers that are going to go into bankruptcy. Uh, we are, we're not even be able to, we're not really actually able to provide the services or food that our own British Columbians need out here because we're consumed by drought and forest fires. And I can say pretty much the same for across the West right now. I think this really has to go back on the Prime Minister's doorstep, and maybe that is the message the Premiers need to come up with. Are you suggesting that, you know, that the whole why are we having an election now is going to really play out at the polls when people get to to vote? Well, I think so. When I speak to Canadians from, you know, coast to coast to coast, they're asking the same questions. Um, and, and when I'm talking to, you know, the inside baseball team, uh, people like yourself or colleagues of mine, we're scratching our heads trying to figure out what is the ballot box question. Right. Canadians are just starting to reemerge from total isolation from a pandemic. And half of this country is reemerging to some pretty troubling and, and quite serious issues, including crises that are happening in their communities. Uh, you know, Western Canada, like I'll say, is under a constant crisis threat right now. I'm not so sure that it's very respectful of the West or and it like it wouldn't be respectful of Atlanta, Canada, Quebec or Ontario if you go out there when we are in a state of emergency and you're campaigning. I'm not even sure that um, half the country will really be listening as as a lot of people will be wondering how this is affecting our, you know, comeback strategy from pan, from the pandemic. Um, you know, we have people that uh, are, have lost their entire businesses or homes. You know, we have Indigenous reconciliation with the residential schools. There's a lot of issues. Plus, Mr. Trudeau hasn't even halfway completed the commitments that he made in 2015, not to mention 2019. The legislative book is quite full. He hasn't moved a lot of the mountains he said he was going to move. Sure, but I, I guess if I was to handicap what I think will emerge as the the ballot question and it's difficult like you say, it's always this is always the question we ask ourselves even before we get to a point when we're in the writ period and in even when we're in the writ period we ask ourselves what is the ballot question but <laughs> I, I think I think eventually I'm, what the prime minister will try and define it as at least is you know this is our blueprint for out of the pandemic what's your blueprint uh, Jagmeet Singh what's your blueprint uh, Aaron O'Toole and let's compare plans and let Canadians decide. That's what his pitch is going to be. You don't think that, that eventually down. that will reson- resonate? I can break that down in less than 60 seconds. And if if Aaron O'Toole and Jagmeet Singh and, and anyone else can't figure out the answer or rebuttal to that question, they shouldn't be in politics. This is a prime minister that avoided and swerved 
um, a budget and the bare minimum of a, fish, of a fiscal update, this quote unquote blueprint or blueprint strategy getting us in the you know temporary solutions through the pandemic. And then when we were coming out of the first wave, gave us no map in the second wave, gave us nothing to work on, on at the end of the second wave. And it wasn't until that he was landing vaccines um, after three tries of trying to land vaccines in this country that he was putting out a fiscal update. And that was pretty much it. He shuffled cabinet, but he didn't tell us why or how or how he even got there. Um, so that excuse to me is, 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 is just old and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and I think that everybody understands that August is his only shot now to be able to maintain what he has or maybe pick up a couple of extra seats. We're not going to see a you don't see majority of, anyway. You don't see path to majority for him? If, no. If he, if he calls this in early and, and we go to the polls in September, early October? You don't see that? I've asked, I've asked around with other colleagues because I want to make sure that I'm seeing what everyone else is seeing, right? But, you know, he's pretty well... Where he is in Quebec is where he's going to stay in Quebec. Mm-hmm. He's got some opportunities. We'll have to see what happens in Atlantic Canada. That's his gold mine. It's not going to be Western Canada, and I know he likes to pull BC out of Western Canada, but we are Western Canada. There's there's not a lot of opportunity here for him. There's not um, a lot of pickup you know, for there. What, but is isn't the strong pickup going to be for the NDP in a lot of places? I mean, if you look at the sort of the mood yeah. of the country, is pretty lefty. You know what I mean? I mean, I know that Trudeau will try and outflank uh, Singh on the left, but I, I I think the progressives are are going to be where the growth is, not the conservatives. Well, the upswing for the NDP is the explosion or implosion of the Green Party, sure, and yeah. there's, there's nothing better that could have happened to them. But in British Columbia, for example, that's not maybe going to be such a big factor because the Green Party is such a strong and deep-rooted brand here. Um, this is Elizabeth May's stomping territory and hometown, and, and a lot of local advocates are Green Party candidates, so it probably won't shift. But elsewhere, it will benefit the NDP, absolutely. And, and right now, it's going to be the conservatives that are going to have to pick up lost percentage points um i know they're you know the teams are saying you know these are early days and you know and and all the good excuses but we but conservatives really need to hit the ground running at this point there's a lot of opportunity there's a lot of political talk to be had um a lot of the points that i've made in our conversation today are points that i'm not necessarily hearing conservative people or conservative candidates repeat uh where they need to be repeating they need to repeat rinse you know, and repeat and rinse. And that's what they need to be doing. I think Canadians um, are not so sure that this election is real. Um, but I think a lot, you know, like people like us, uh, we know that it's inevitable, um, like death and taxes. He's going to pull the trigger. <laughs> and, but I think once Canadians get a grasp that this is reality, you are going to the ballot box. I think we're going to see a shift in the dynamic of, of how Canadians approach the prime minister and how they're going to approach the election. And that is also uh, a lot of space for the conservatives and NDP leaderships to, to maybe potentially gain some momentum. Elise, great talking to you. Thank you for your time today. Yeah. So nice to hear your voice. I'm glad to hear that all is well after the pandemic and we're starting to get back to normal. And hopefully you and I will see each other in face-to-face one day soon. That would be fantastic, Elise. Take care. <laughs> All right. Take care, Alan. Bye now. As Elise Mills from Sussex Strategy, I wonder if you make what you make of that. Uh, there's a lot to, lot to dig into on that as you get that Western perspective there. And, I, I, and, you know, obviously when we talk about the federal election, you know, it's easy for me uh, because I'm so steeped in, in Ontario politics. I'm pretty, you know, I, I feel like I really got a handle 
on the 416-905 in the vote-rich area. I, I'm, I, I think for everybody, doesn't matter who you are as a political watcher, you're always looking at Quebec and thinking, what is, what's going to happen? You know, because all of a sudden, Quebec could just turn and go one way or another way, and it's difficult to, to know where that's going. But interesting to get that perspective.